0: We all have needs and desires and seek to discover our own erotic journey you've come to the right place this is seek discover create with Lexi Silver presented by SDC in the next hour we're here to answer your burning questions about relationships sexuality and health from the leading sex experts and professionals now here is your host Lexi Silver
1: Hi everyone, welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver. Why do we seem to continuously attract the wrong partners when it comes to dating? Why do we feel that we have to put up barriers rather than be honest with ourselves and others about who we are and what we truly need and want? Joining me today is Bruna Nessif, the author of Let That Shit Go, A Journey to Forgiveness, Healing, and Understanding Love, founder of the website The Problem With Dating, and a certified professional life coach. We're going to explore the importance of letting go, of trying to be perfect, the keys to starting your journey towards personal growth, and how to attract healthier relationships. Before we start our chat with Bruna, I want to thank our sponsor, sdc.com, your and my expert source of exclusive information about sex, health, and relationships, where you'll get access to a massive international network and dating platform of over 3 million members worldwide. Use my special promo code 7070 to get two months free at sdc.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at sdc. So today's episode is going to be all about self-love, honesty, and authenticity. My special guest, Bruna Nessif, is a certified coach and Energy Leadership Index Master Practitioner from the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching. That's a mouthful, so that'll give you <laughs> like sort of an idea of how qualified she's to talk about this. She focuses on high conscious living and self-love in order to help women renew their self-worth and attract healthier relationships and tap into their full potential, which is exactly what we want to talk about today. You've probably already read her work and featured publications like Enew, News, playboy huffington post cosmopolitan esquire and bravo she recently hosted a roundtable discussion on netflix with the cast of dating around where are they now she was also featured in the winter issue of playboy where she also writes a dating column welcome to my show bruna thank you so much for joining me today
2: thank you for having me it's always nice to hear like the rattle off of things because you forget what you've done and then you're like i did do that that's cool <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's more than cool. And you're so young. Still, you have so much more. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have so please. much more coming. Away. <laughs> Thank you. I will receive that. Thank you so much. There you go. Exactly. It's the first step, right? Being able to receive a compliment. We can't do that enough. I feel. Oh my gosh. It
2: took me like 20 years to master, <laughs> but here we are thriving.
1: <laughs> So let's talk about that journey a little bit. Um, you have done really all of these amazing things. Why did you decide to create the problem with dating? And why did you decide to write Let That Shit Go and become a life coach and inspire other people? How did you get to this point? It's a, like, a really um, loaded question. I know. <laughs> let's start
2: heavy. No, it's um, it was a lot of different things that kind of just – came together and created what I feel is my purpose and me being very aligned with why I'm here. And, you know, it started with the problem with dating, which is a website that I initially created while I was still working my corporate job. And I think that first came out of two main things. One being I needed a creative outlet that was my own and two being I was single for the first time and like I didn't know what the fuck was going on I didn't know how to navigate that world because I used to be a serial dater in like super long-term monogamous on my end relationships for like ever and now I'm single in my early 20s and it was like a whole new playing field and I would tell my friends these stories of How guys would approach me and like the things they would say and do and it was very entertaining for them It was depressing for me, but they were like you should write about this and I was like, I Don't know about that But then ultimately I was like maybe I should write about this because dating and relationships and just human behavior in general is something I've always been very passionate about so created the problem with dating And went into it with this initial idea that this is kind of going to be my online journal and I'm just going to like vent and talk about whatever because who cares about my life? No one's probably going to read it, but that was not the case. And (laughs) (laughs) apparently I was not alone in my struggle of being single. So it just started to gain attraction and people really liked what I had to say and that passion project and hobby turned into something that I really wanted to focus on and cultivate. And so over the span of, it's been now seven years since I started it. Yeah, it's been a bit. Um, I just realized that I was sitting at my desk at work and thinking about the problem with dating and brainstorming article ideas and campaigns and topics and really being more fueled by that versus the job that was paying all my bills, which is always very convenient. So <laughs> I went through my little like quarter life crisis, or I was like, what do I do? And ultimately, I decided to quit my job and pursue the problem with dating full time, because I knew that I kind of hit that roadblock of taking it as far as I could go doing both. So um, after doing the problem with dating for so long, people started asking about a book Mm -hmm. and writing a book is something I've always wanted to do. Even before this, I got into this kind of arena and, and kind of topic because I initially wanted to be a psychologist. And when I was in high school, I was like, okay, I'm going to be the next Dr. Phil. I'm going to have a TV show. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to help people with whatever it is that I thought I was going to help them with. And that was the plan. My plan, right? (laughs) Then life happens and you're like, oh, the plan doesn't always pan out. Right. But I feel like it came back full circle anyway, because, you know, I'm I'm not Dr. Phil, but I kind of tap into the same topics and, and general messages and themes that I always wanted to promote and do. And so Let That Shit Go came out of me going through my own personal transformation and kind of finding a way to create art that reflects that, that could also help other people too. And it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, but one of the most gratifying. And so I'm grateful that it saw, you know, the world and it was able to be shared in that way.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I think that maybe, you know, when people go through a personal transformation, it makes their work so much more meaningful because you're writing about something you know, you can personally identify with those feelings and emotions that other people are experiencing. So as a life coach, also, you're able to, to tap into that with other people who are saying, well, this is what's happening to me. This is, you know, um, this is how I'm feeling. And you could really relate to that on a level that people who might not, uh, who might empathize but not really understand because they didn't go through it. Uh, they might have a harder time connecting right so yeah just give you that unique um that unique background uh that unique connection and you feel that too uh with your writing and uh everything you do so yeah i know good for you honestly this is amazing (laughs) yeah thank you so recently you posted in playboy magazine it was beautiful i loved it it was a really thanks really, really nice uh, to see that kind of a spread in Playboy. So what was your experience like? What motivated you to do that? Oh my gosh,
2: the Playboy shoot was amazing, but terrifying at the same time as you can probably <laughs> imagine. <Yeah. laughs> um, the crazy thing is I had a vision of it happening maybe like a month or two before I got the call. And it was just one of those things where I um, I was driving and I just got this flash of, oh my gosh, imagine posing for Playboy because they're going to like with them doing a feature on their female writers and all this stuff. And then quickly I was like, Bruno, why the fuck would they do that? Like you're ridiculous. (laughs) Then one random day I'm checking my um, DMs and I go to my little other inbox or whatever. And I see, a message from a fellow Playboy writer who I had yet to meet. And she was like, hey, I have this pitch. I want to run by you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool. So we hop on the phone. Lo and behold, she's like, I pitched this idea about, you know, posing for the magazine with the other female writers for Playboy and doing a little piece on freedom of expression and, um, you know, autonomy with your body and all of that. And that's just something that I feel so passionate about too. So I was like, I'm in. I'm doing it. Not, we started talking about dates. And funny enough, I was going to Canada in between that time. So we worked out dates. And it, the shoot actually happened like two days after I got back from Canada, which made me super insecure because I was eating like poutine the whole time. <laughs> I don't I blame was you. there. And like, this is, I didn't tell anyone I was doing the shoot. So it's not like I could be there and be like, sorry, can't eat all these carbs. Cause I'm about to be naked for playboy. Yeah. So, and like, you know, you can't be disrespectful <laughs> and they're taking you out to eat. So I'm stuffing my face with fucking French fries and gravy and cheese. And I'm like, fuck, how am I going to go naked? Um, but it happened. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> the shoot, The shoot itself was fantastic, you know, it was predominantly women on set, you know, the creative director is a woman, the photographer was a woman, it was, I think it was six of us posing, and it was just like that divine feminine energy, it was super empowering, and of course we were all nervous and kind of like, we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into, Um, but once like the initial kind of uneasiness wore off, we were just all naked, walking around this house, like this beautiful house in Pasadena with like this beautiful setup and feeling so not just comfortable, but in a way just natural. Like you forget that being naked is very natural. You know, the taboo part of it is, is self-inflicted from society and the things that, that we've been fed growing up. So it's like when you're in these positions where you can just be bare and not have to think about oh, am I giving off the wrong impression? Am I now calling in whatever type of behavior? Am I just being disrespectful or discredited? Or am I losing my dignity? You know, all these different things that women are made to believe is what happens when you associate yourself with your body and you are proud of your body and you showcase your body. Then you're like, fuck, this is great. And to be with so many other women who, sharing that space with you, it was beautiful. And then to see it finally like in the magazine and kind of out in the world, you get another wind of anxiety because you have this magical experience. And then right after we kind of all afterwards, we were eating burgers, obviously, because we were like, fuck yeah, let's eat now. And we were all kind of like, oh, shit we just pose naked. Like you're in it and you're in the moment and you're, you're loving it. And then you're like, fuck, everyone's about to see my tits and ass. This is crazy. So once it came out, you know, the way the direction Playboy went with it, which is kind of the direction they've been taking now, very artsy and, you know, a little more tame, but still very, um, positive with the female body. It was really beautiful to see. And the feedback was great. And I'm happy I did it because I was definitely terrified and went back and forth on whether I should or not, but I'm (laughs) proud of it. So
1: that's a very unique experience. And it sounds very empowering. And a rare thing. Not everybody gets to experience that. And you know, you're right. Like the naked body is not inherently sexual. We are, it's very natural to, to be naked. It's amazing. It feels fantastic and very freeing to be naked and you feel more in touch with your actual body and you kind of get out of that when everyone else is naked around you, you get out of that feeling of, of, you know, feeling exposed or wondering how other people are looking at your body or, you know, perceiving you as a sex object. It doesn't really work that way. And it's, it's really nice that you had that experience. Yeah.
2: And it's kind of, you know, I believe in divine intervention and that, you know, the synchronicity of my life. And I've noticed that there were a lot of substantial experiences that I had that kind of were building up my body confidence. You know, I went to a hedonism resort in Jamaica a couple years ago to do a story. And for me at the time, I wasn't having sex. So I wasn't really participating in that aspect of the resort, but it it is, you know, part of, nude part clothed and so I was more you know taking into the nude part of it and being comfortable in my body and going in order to let myself be naked and like shed these ideas that like oh I don't look good naked I have these roles in this angle and whatever so starting with that and also just the Korean spots. My girlfriends and I started going to the Korean spa regularly as like a self-care thing. You know, we wanted to go spend a day to ourselves, you know, nurture our bodies. And you don't think of it when you're going, but then when you're there, you're surrounded by all these women of different colors, different shapes, different ages, and all these different body types. And it feels so... Comforting and just like at home and it's a great reminder because you're constantly bombarded with the media images of a naked body And what a naked woman should look like in the standard of beauty and then you're in the real world and you see all these naked women You're like wow everyone is so beautiful in their own way and it makes you feel better about your body And I was like everyone needs to go to the Korean spa <laughs> like that is my conclusion That is a truer depiction of a woman's body than what we are constantly fed, especially young girls who see all these models and things and they're like, oh, I'm supposed to look like that naked. And then when you don't, you start thinking something's wrong with you. So it was just a great kind of like bow on top of all these experiences I had to build my body confidence to be like, okay, I'm terrified. I feel like people are going to judge me. I don't know if I look good naked, but I'm going to do this. And there's going to come a day, like you said, no one, not everyone gets this opportunity. There's going to come a day when I sit with my grandkids and be like, everyone gather around and let's look at a time when my body was not taken over by gravity and just like admire the female form. Yeah. <laughs> that's the plan
1: yeah and you're right i mean we there are so many unattainable um measures of beauty that make no sense this this concept of perfection we see on instagram all the time people photoshop left and right it's very disempowering to feel like there's something wrong with you when you try to compare yourself to that unattainable level of beauty it's impossible you you can't Um, It's not normal to be that Photoshop. That's not normal. So in real life, when you do see women up close, we have cellulite, we have stretch marks, we have rolls, we have, you know, scars and all these things that make us unique and beautiful. And um, as you can tell, I'm getting really passionate because I think that confidence is really, really important to having a healthy self-image, a a healthy life, and also having a healthy relationship, which I know we're Mm going to talk a little bit later, but. I think it's so crucial, and you're right. Let's let's get all the women together. Like, go to the spa. I know. <laughs> let's gather up. Spa day
2: happening. <laughs> TBD. TBD. But it's happening at a location near you.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we'll talk a little bit about that soon, and we are going to take a really quick break. So don't go away. We are going to be right back with Seek Discover Create. Are you looking for new ways to spice up your sex life? Do you want to learn more about relationships, sex, and health? At sdc.com, you'll get unlimited access to exclusive videos, podcasts, and articles from top experts around the world. Come connect with like-minded people and explore our SDC events, parties, and travel destinations. Join over 1 million active members worldwide to seek, discover, and create with us today. Visit sdc.com or download our free app on Google play or on the app store. Use promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC.
3: You're listening to the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network.
4: When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe.
0: You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to lexi at sdc.com. That's L-E-X-I at sdc.com. Now, back to this week's discussion. Welcome back to Seek, Discover, Create. I'm Lexi Silver,
1: and I'm here with Bruna Nesif and we are talking about confidence your body, nudity, empowerment, lots of really, really good things that we should be feeling when it comes to looking at ourselves and feeling good about how we are and ideals of beauty that are unattainable should not be thought about when it comes to your body because most of what you see online isn't real anyways. Right. So you said previously that you felt that in order to be accepted, you had to stifle yourself as a woman. Can we unpack that a little bit? What does that mean to you? Oh, I love when people say, can we unpack that? Unpack um, it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a coaching
2: term.
0: Oh, uh, it's <laughs> <yeah. laughs>
2: let's unpack
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, I you know, I can't speak for every woman, obviously, but in my personal experience, it's felt that growing up society was more accepting of women who could fit into this mold or this box that was created for them as opposed to kind of breaking out of that. As soon as you wanted to be more than what everyone else expected you to be, you were faced with a lot of resistance, both from outside pressures and then within yourself because you're questioning if you're doing things right or whatever that may be. So for me, um, you know, I talk about being stifled as a woman in many things, but predominantly in the Playboy shoot that I did and the column that I wrote to go with it because in that specific scenario, I really wanted to break this limiting belief that women could either be sexy or smart. And it's something that sounds so cliche, but it's something we still hold true to today. And as a woman who considers herself both sexy and smart, it pisses me off. Because if I post a sexy picture, then I get comments or messages from people like, no one's going to respect you. No one's going to take you seriously. You know, if you want to get work, then you got to take that down. Da, 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 da And then if I exude my intelligence I surprise people and they're just like, you read? And I'm like, why wouldn't I read? Like, it's just it was really mind boggling. And so for me, it was one of those things where in a way I was feeding off of that. And I loved proving people wrong and I loved making them question their own beliefs of what a woman could or could not be. So I would post sexy pictures, I would flaunt my body, I would talk about it openly, and I would tell you about all these theories and concepts and books and things that I'm doing because your perception of that or the conclusion you draw from that or the way you feel about that is a reflection of you, not me. So if it's surprising to you that a woman can be both sexy and smart and nurturing and funny and caring and silly and all these different things, then you're the one that continues to play into this narrative that a woman can only be this or that. When in reality, we're human beings and we can be absolutely anything we choose to be or not be. And so I keep trying to drive that story and that, that kind of lifestyle because that's what I choose for myself. And that's how I think is the best way to inspire and motivate people around me is to be the example. And so I have to walk the talk and And do what it is that I think I can do and be a multifaceted person so that people can be like, oh shit, I was being very limiting on what other people can do. And what does that say about myself?
1: Oh, you're right. And you're a great example of that. You really are. And I think that that fitting the mold concept doesn't work for anybody because the mold is imaginary. It's probably, it's it's antiquated it doesn't make any sense, especially for the people who originally created it. Um, It didn't make sense then. It definitely doesn't make sense now, especially as women are having a lot more opportunities to express ourselves the way we want to and the way we've always had the right to, or should always have the right to, rather. (laughs) Right. And it's
2: crazy just to think, like you mentioned, someone else created that mold. Yeah. They don't know you. Like, Why are you giving them so much power to dictate who you are going to be in this world and in your life? That's crazy to think about when you really sit back and start to tell yourself, oh shit, I'm playing into a role that was given to me by someone I can't even pinpoint who and they don't know shit about me. And yet I'm giving all of my power away and all of my identity away and making myself believe that this is all I'm allowed to do be when really you have a capacity to be whoever you want to be. You just have to make that decision and do it.
1: Yeah, and what you were saying too about you had to choose between being smart or sexy. I have been told my whole life that I'm too much. And I know a lot of other women have felt that way too. And on Mm -hmm. the other side of that, there are women who feel like they're not enough, that you know they don't have that confidence, that they don't feel like they measure up to this, again, this mold, this impossible standard uh, that we think other people are living their lives by. Why is there no in-between that we can't feel just happy with who we are? right oh my gosh
2: feeling happy is so much harder than we even understand sometimes it's much easier to be sad and to tear ourselves down and we have um four energy internal energy blocks and one of them is your gremlin or your inner critic and that's that voice in your head that keeps telling you that you're too much or you're not enough and that is formed kind of you know coincides with your ego and is formed at a young age from different experiences that you may have had in childhood and in retrospect, it's, it's saying these things to protect you, but at one point you realize like, you're no longer protecting me, you're holding me back from being everything that I'm able to be. So I don't need you anymore in this regard. Like, I don't need you to tell me who I am and who I'm not out of fear, because I'm not afraid to be who I am anymore. But it takes so much work to get there because in order to even get there you have to one acknowledge that there is someone else talking in your mind and that you're not connected to that voice that it's not you it's an outside thing that's telling you something that you continue to tell yourself is true about you and then we're so comfortable with like the polarities right we it's like it's much easier to look at the world as black or white, or I'm I'm too much or not enough, I'm this or that, because this gray area is just so confusing sometimes yeah. that we'd rather just cling to one of the extremes. So it's very common. I've done it my entire life. I've always thought I was not enough, and then I would also get told I'm too much. Mm-hmm. And intimidation was a huge one. Like mm-hmm. Bruna, you're too intimidating. You're too intimidating. That's why guys don't date you. That you're too intimidating. And then you when you keep hearing that, you start to think, well, maybe it's true. Maybe there's something wrong with me, you know, whatever. But if you really try to clear out the noise, you always know what's true and what's not about you. If you listen to your gut and my gut always told me these people are full of shit. If I'm intimidating, most likely it's you feeling intimidated, which is two separate things. Yes. I'm not intimidating you. You are feeling intimidated, which is a you problem. That's something (laughs) happening with you. I'm just living my best life. And if there's something that's going on there that's making you feel some type of way, then maybe that's something you need to unpack and figure out why I'm bringing up these triggers and emotions in you. And it happens usually with people who are almost envious of seeing someone being able to be themselves when they're not giving themselves the opportunity to do the same. And so it's like, Oh, fuck that person. I wish I could do that. But fuck that person. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of truth that can be taken from the way we perceive people and the labels we throw at people because really, they're telling us more about ourselves. And so that's where we're at and it takes a lot of work and you have to be super accountable and honest with yourself about how you show up and the toxic things that you do because it's not always other people sometimes it's you and it's not easy and it never ends people talk about this healing journey and self-love and stuff and they're like okay so when does it end and I'm like it doesn't never ever yeah if you figured out life why would you want to be here tomorrow like what is the fun in that like it's a constant journey of exploring and evolving and growing and learning. And sometimes it's exhausting, but at least like there's something to be learned about yourself all the time. And that's pretty cool if you
1: look at it as a positive and like an adventure. The feelings of insecurity uh, that some of us have that we might feel, you know, at, when we're teenagers might be different than the feelings of insecurity that we feel in our 20s or in our 30s Absolutely. or in our 40s. And, you know, different scenarios, different people, different partners, different relationships might make us, you know, um, feel certain things. And that's something that, again, we have to, quote, unpack. So what's the first step to really, I mean, just accepting that, you know, that gray area to to live in that little gray area between the not enough and the too much and, you know, feeling happy with who we are and not feeling resentful of other people's happiness and the fact that they're able to be who they are. Yeah.
2: Oh, man, there's <laughs> it's a lot. There's so many different steps you could take, but again, it's the conversations you have with yourself. I think that's where it starts. It's creating that awareness and catching yourself when you say certain things to yourself. Or for me as a writer, I really like to journal. And that was a, a great tool for me because it helped me get outside of myself, which is crucial when you're trying to do this type of work. So for me to write I can put it down and then go back to it the next day, reread it. And then I'm like, oh shit, that's what I was thinking. Or that's what was happening. So I started keeping like a, a journal that I would write love letters to myself. And I love writing to people. Like I love leaving notes for people and writing for people. So I was like, why am I doing this for everyone but myself? So I started <laughs> writing letters to myself you know, every day as if I was writing to my best friend. And I would talk about my day, talk about things that I admired about myself, things that I'm like, okay, I know you did this today but it's okay, like now you know, all that you're trying to be that graceful, patient, supportive partner for myself because something else that I've noticed is I am a great friend and I can be patient with you and I can sit with you and no matter how many times you fuck up, I will hold your hand and I will let you know it's okay and you're human and you make mistakes but that's fine. But when it comes to doing that for myself, I become a completely different person. And all of a sudden I can't heal fast enough. I don't learn fast enough. I make the same mistakes and I'm a failure and I'm doing, it's just the worst scenario and behavior. So I was like, all right, I need to dead that and take on the role that I give to so many other people to myself. And so that helped with that and just kind of taking accountability of my actions and, you know, telling my friends to hold me accountable too. It's a lot, a lot of observing and a lot, a lot of, Writing and meditating and doing certain practices to become more aligned with who I am and realizing that what is it about myself that I really love? What is it about myself that I wish I could improve? And of those things I wish I could improve, what are things that I wish I could improve because of what I'm being told I need to be and that I actually want to improve for myself? And so it was just kind of a lot of digging and researching and doing all that work within, which is exhausting.
0: <laughs> but
1: it's important, right? It's the most important work it's that you,
2: super can do. important. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people would rather not because it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and energy, but and it's isolating. Oh, yeah. it's so isolating. You, you feel so detached from your friends and the world and the fan and your family and just significant others or partners because all of a sudden like you don't even know who the fuck you are anymore and you're constantly rebuilding from the ground up and you feel misunderstood and you're emotional and you're wondering why you're ugly crying all the time. You don't even know why. <laughs> and then, but it's so worth it because the person who comes out of all that is the version of you that you always were that was buried deep inside and now that person gets to flourish and you start seeing everything fall into place.
1: Oh, that's beautiful, and you know you're you're so right about that. And you know, really being honest about who you are and being a good friend to yourself—those are really, really hard things. And you've said uh, before, and I'm going to quote you. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to be like, like being quoted, you know. <laughs> Once we, re- yeah, I'm going to quote you. Once we reconnect with our vulnerability, we reclaim our power. So mm-hmm. I I feel like that's really a lot of what you're saying right now. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So vulnerability is one of the
2: main messages that I try to spread in all the work that I do, because vulnerability was one of the hardest things I had to um, come to terms with. You know, I grew up thinking it was a weakness, as many others did. And I felt like I never wanted people to see me cry. I never wanted people to see me as a weak person, or I didn't want to show too much emotion. I didn't want to let I didn't want to let people know they could get to me, all that stuff that we were taught to believe is what's strength.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: then when it finally came to, you know, me doing all this work on myself and kind of coming to terms with the fact that it was all bullshit before, I was like, (laughs) when I ultimately, when I own my vulnerability and I'm able to be transparent and I own what's happened to me and my stories and my experiences, the things I've done, all of that. No one else can use it against me. Mm. I've come to terms with this. And that's one of the biggest things I got from writing my book. My book is very vulnerable and very transparent. I talk about shit that I didn't tell anyone in my life. And people read it and they're like, I don't know how you could talk about this in the public because I've come to terms with it. This is my truth. It doesn't have to be yours, but you're just reading it. And I'm okay with everything I've gone through because I've seen the outcome of it. And I love who I am right now. And for me to talk poorly about my experiences or try to disown them would be discrediting everything that happened in order for me to be here the way I am today. So I'm just going to be grateful that everything happened the way it did. And if I can help other people by sharing that story, why wouldn't I? You can't use this against me. I'm over it. I'm done. We've moved on. (laughs) So that's the powerful part is that when you start using your vulnerability and you start realizing that that's your story and no one can take that away from you, then you don't fear anything or any judgment or anyone's opinion because that's their own and they have to live with that because you already know that you're good.
1: Oh, that's awesome! And I, I want to talk a little bit more about owning your story and owning yourself. Uh, really, just you know, being, uh, it, being conscious of who you are, and you know, growing from that. So, don't go away, everybody. We're going to be right back with Seek, Discover, Create. Welcome to my playground. Are you ready to explore your sexuality? Visit my site to get my latest podcasts, erotic stories, and the hottest sex toys. Use promo code LexiSDC to get 15% off anything you want in my shop. That's L-E-X-I-S-D-C. So don't be shy. Come get lost in my erotic playground at Lexisilver.com. And come find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Lexisilver. That's Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. Until then, stay lectual, my friends.
4: Get yours today at lubelights.com, also available on Amazon and SheVibe.
0: You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to Lexi at SDC.com. That's L-E-X-I at SDC.com. Now back to this week's discussion.
1: Welcome back to Seek, Discover, Create. I'm Lexi Silver, and I'm here with Bruna Nessif, and we are talking really deeply about personal growth. You intentionally chose to take a break from sex, which is really unique. Not everyone does that. I've heard really good things uh, from people who have done that. So for you, how did abstaining from sex um, contribute to your personal growth? Oh, man.
2: So many ways. And of course, like many other things in my life, I went into it thinking the purpose of it was one thing. And then over time, it was revealed that it was so many other things. Mm -hmm. So initially, I stopped having casual sex because I found myself in this repeated pattern of hooking up with guys in hopes that they would commit to me and they wouldn't. And then I'm like, what am I doing? And then I would feel very empty after and drained and just down on myself. And so you know, just as a disclaimer, I'm not, you know, advocating that people suppress their sexuality. It's my personal experience. And so for me at that time, it didn't feel liberating to have sex with whoever. It didn't feel good for me. It didn't feel healthy. So I just took it off the table and I was like, all right, I am not having sex with guys just to have sex with them or because I think that's what's going to, you know, Snatch their soul and get them to commit to me like i'm just going to (laughs) work on myself and work on redefining my views of sex and and what that looks like for me so that you know goes back to a lot of the body confidence and that type of stuff you know i was trying to get more in tune with my divine feminine and and get more comfortable with my naked body and kind of relearn um just a sacred act of sex, you know, that there is an energy exchange and that I shouldn't feel shameful for having sex, but I also shouldn't, um, feel like that's a, a weapon or a tool in my arsenal in order to manipulate or do whatever it was that, you know, women in media and movies and stuff are portrayed to use sex for. So, um, there's a lot of that. And through that time, I was also writing my book. I ultimately went about three years without having sex. And I was like, oh, I'm going to wait for my next boyfriend. And that's who I'm going to do it with. And it changed. That's not what happened. But I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to wait for someone who makes me feel comfortable and who I know respects my body and who I feel safe with. And that emotional safety is something that I really look for in any type of relationship I cultivate. And it's so important Because to me, it's the foundation for everything else. So as I was writing my book, I also had the revelation that I was sexually assaulted as a teenager. And so going through that, I was like, it was like the blinders came off and I was like, oh, fuck, that wasn't supposed to happen. And you continuously bury the trauma or you convince yourself that it was normal behavior. or That's what happens. You write it off. And then to now 15 years later, be like, I got to process this shit now. Like I have to go through all of this. And I realized that that experience was probably the root of this decision because I needed to heal from that. And I needed to stop using my body in a way that was a disservice to my body. And I needed to kind of heal from the bitterness and anger and, and resentment I felt towards men and feeling like I My sole purpose is to please them, and that my body is just a service for them and not my own, and reclaim that ownership too. And so, I mean, no surprise, another heavy chapter to go through, (laughs) and like in this healing journey. And so, once it got to a time in my life when I felt ready to have sex again and kind of bring that back into my life, I just approached it differently. You know, I came into it with. I'm doing this because it's mutually beneficial because I want it to because I feel energetically ready and willing. And, um, and because I, because I did all that work and because I did feel more comfortable in my body, it just enhanced the entire experience. And so not to say I'm out here, like doing whatever, which even if I was, that's okay. But it's still the the mental shift and, and the energetic shift that I have towards it has made it a much more pleasurable experience, even though you think it's always supposed to be and it wasn't for so long.
1: Wow. Okay, hold on. I'm starting. I'm. I'm just unpacking what you're. What you said. Yes, in this story yes. Chapter. It is, and it's a lot because, you know, we, sex is intense. Sex is not just a physical thing. Uh, there's so much that goes into giving your body to someone or sharing your body with somebody, and you know, not feeling good about that or feeling like you're, you know, using <laughs> sex as a weapon or a tool, like we so wrongly see portrayed in the media. Like you said. Um, it's, it's showing and perpetuating these very unhealthy behaviors that we all have to just kind of um, get unacquainted with. We need to right. detach ourselves from that that view of sexuality. Uh, my personal mission is to make sure that people can uh, learn more about their bodies, to educate people, to make them feel like they don't need to feel shame and guilt and and self-judgment or judgment from others when it comes to expressing their sexuality or deciding not to express their sexuality, whatever feels right for them, um, I can pretty much guarantee. And it's interesting because I had an episode not long ago about slut shaming. Um, and mm-hmm. on the other side of that, I bet you that by you making that decision to abstain from sex public, that people were saying, "Oh, well, there's you know something wrong with that." Also, can, were, did oh, you? Yeah. yeah, you. I tell me a little bit about that. There's people
2: love shaming other people. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like focus on your life. Um, <laughs> there, I've been shamed for so many things. It's, you know, oh, you're not having sex. Well, you're just not comfortable with your body and you just, you're probably just masturbating too much. And so you don't enjoy sex or whatever, like whatever bullshit makes people feel comfortable with other people's decisions. And even on the flip side, like people, the crazy thing is you you can almost expect the shame or not the shame, but judgment from men. When a woman said a lot of men were mad that I was doing this because a lot of men were also supportive, but I would get a lot of, not even just with sex, but just the, I talk openly about having a lot of men who come into my life. We don't become a relationship, but they're teachers. I learn from them. Men hate that because mm-hmm. then they they lash out at me and they're like, you're just too picky and you, you know, no one's good enough for you. Well, fuck you, bitch. Or blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, all right, well, thank you so much for your comment and follow and subscription and watch whatever it may be for the engagement, but (laughs) a little aggressive. Um, But in turn, it's because people take whatever they hear or people's experiences and they relate it to their own. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would bet money that the men who lash out at me and say shit like that are really thinking about a woman who's denied them or rejected them in the past and they see her in me because they think that's exactly what's happening. And Mm -hmm. so there is a lot of shame and judgment from men in that regard, but it was more hurtful for me to get the shame and judgment from other women because Mm -hmm. here you're trying to You know, empower other women and, you know, build this solidarity, especially after generations of being told that women are your competition, when really it's like, that's your sister. Like, you should be uplifting each other and we're stronger together. Like, we already have to deal with so much individually. Why would we do it to each other? Mm -hmm. And yet, I would meet women who would, you know, shame me for not having sex. They would tell me, you're suppressing women's sexuality and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'm giving you my story. Mm-hmm. You taking that as your personal story is your decision. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling people to do anything. I'm just sharing my experience. So people are always going to have whatever they feel about something based on what they're going through. But at the end of the day, I'm like, it's really hurtful for women to do this to other women, especially like with the whole Me Too thing that happened. And when I did talk about um, my sexual assault and things like that, I was So fearful of women talking shit to me about it because it's not your, you know, the common scene that we are fed to believe of what looks like rape. You know, this was with my boyfriend, which Mm -hmm. automatically people, that's your boyfriend. Like, what do you mean? You know, that that doesn't count. That type of thing. How Mm -hmm. can you dismiss someone's experience of something like that? And how can, you can never relate to assaults to each other. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether it looked the same or not, you can never try to, and why would you want to? Yeah. That's not your job. Like give people the space to, to heal from whatever it is they're healing from without feeling the need to, well, my experience was worse than yours. Mine means more than mine holds more weight. No. So the person who's hurting and instead of giving them some space to heal from whatever it is they're going through, now you're making it a competition again. Yes. It's not something you want to compete over anyway. No. <laughs> So that part was a little alarming. But I mean, again, we're human. I try not to take it personally. Sometimes it's harder than other times, but
1: it is what it is. And it sounds like a lot of people, uh, like we were saying before, you know, are imposing the way they feel on you and using you as a target rather than owning how they feel. Even if it were true that, you know, you were picky, like why the fuck shouldn't you be? I am fucking picky. Like you should, you deserve somebody who's going to treat you well. You deserve somebody who is going to make you happy. Somebody who is going to respect you and your choices, Mm -hmm. whatever they may be, whether they agree with them or not. And yeah, so... Fuck those guys, basically. <laughs> like, that's you're right. right. I hate the
2: picky thing. And I just yeah. went off about this on Instagram because I was just like, when you have done so much work and spent so much time and energy in making sure that you're a person who shows up in love and has something to contribute into a partnership, why the fuck would you put that in a space mm-hmm. where it's not going to be reciprocated and you're not going to get a return? Yeah. And I always try to explain it in the sense of like a stock investment. If you spent your life putting money away so that you could invest it in stock, are you going to put it into a stock that is very unpredictable and crashes and you don't know where your money's going to go? Are you going to invest in a stock that is showing high ROI and consistent growth and reciprocation? You know, you're going to put it in a stock or you're going to get a return. That's how you should approach your relationships. So yes, I am fucking picky because I deserve to be picky, like you said, and I have a lot to offer. And society makes it so easy, especially for women, when you reach a certain age and you're single, mm-hmm. for them to be like, oh, but Bruna, this guy is willing to give you some time of, from his life. Why don't you just marry him? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, because I don't have to like him or anything. Yeah. He, thank you so much for looking my direction. Mm-hmm. No. What is this? Like, What is this idea that we just have to have this person next to us or a Facebook status or pictures on Instagram in order to validate our existence. Like this is ridiculous. It's, that- it's almost 2020.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's that concept of fitting into this impossible mold, right? Like there's, you know, there's an order of things, right? Like the way people sort of try to make sense of the world is once you get to a certain age, you should be married and have kids and, you know, you should have, you should have a stable job and you have to have the house with the white picket fence and all these impossible ideas that really just don't make sense in practice at all. And most of us don't like don't prescribe to these things this is not at all the way we want to live our lives and you shouldn't have to you know (laughs) put yourself uh lower to or you know compromise what it is that you want just because you know other people think that hey you should be in a relationship you should be married if you want to have a kid you do need a partner to do that um we don't need Any of that stuff, but what you do need is to invest in you first. If we're talking about investments, you know the the highest ROI that you could have is investing in yourself and making sure that your life, without whether you're with someone or not, is a good one and you're happy with who you are. Um, Mm -hmm. So look at look at this. You're firing me up. I'm all passionate. (laughs) Like yeah, why should we (laughs) compromise? And I want to go into that a little bit more uh, in our last segment. So don't go away, everyone. We'll be right back after this break. Explore the decadent pleasures of Ibiza, our provocative new SDC getaway. Discover sumptuous relaxation in the island's world-renowned nightlife. Over five hedonistic nights, you'll savor the unique local flavors and spectacular views. And we're not just talking about the Mediterranean seascapes. Indulge in the experience of being surrounded by seductive, like-minded international couples in the lifestyle during our exclusive SDC takeover. Connect with guests in our erotic play areas, clothing-optional pools, jacuzzis, and beautiful beaches. And immerse yourself in the youthful Ibiza party lifestyle with our glamorous SDC theme nights. Create memories that will last a lifetime at our latest Spanish escapade in Santa Eulalia del Rio from September 21st to the 26th. Book your rooms now at SDC.com.
3: Raving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, articles and videos and keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter all on thesexylifestyle.com The Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network is where you can build a new vocabulary to talk about sex in a healthy, loving and productive way. Discover more about yourself and your relationships from our amazing sex experts who can't wait to share their information with you. You'll learn everything you ever wanted to know about sex, sexuality, sexual pleasure, and so much more on the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network. Listen, learn, and live sexy.
0: You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to lexi at sdc.com. That's L-E-X-I at sdc.com. Now back to this week's discussion. Welcome back to Seek, Discover, Create. I'm
1: Lexi Silver, and I'm here with Bruna Nessif, and we are talking real deep about self-love, self-worth, and not wanting to compromise. What advice do you have for people who are in a relationship right now that is just not fulfilling them, or that is just like pure toxic or unhealthy for them? Well, I think even to take it a step back, and
2: the idea of compromise, of course, you shouldn't compromise your values, but in order to even... Do that, you need to know what your values are. Yes. And you need to know what parts of those values are authentic and true to you, and what are just comfortable uh, traits or beliefs or patterns that you've adopted that may not be healthy for you. So there's a lot of introspection, obviously, that has to happen first before you can even think about what you will or won't compromise with another person. Because chances are, at least I know for me, there, was, there were a lot of things that I was like, no, it has to be this, this, and that. But this is and that. We're only feeding my comfort in being a victim and mm. being in a in a state where I was just allowing things to happen to me, and then feeding the story that wasn't the story I had to live out. But it was just what I was used to. So it takes work first to understand what those values are for yourself. Then, if you're in a relationship and you start seeing that those values are not being met, I'm not gonna say like leave them and then just move on and whatever because that's easier said than done first of all and also if this is someone you've chosen to share your life with chances are I'm hoping that there's something substantial there that's making you want to be with this person so should you just throw it away no at least go through the motions first to figure out if it's salvageable so this is something where communication comes in and this is something where you sit down with your partner and you have a discussion with them about you know A, B, C, and D are my top values, and this is why. What are your top values? Let's see where they interconnect. Let's see where they're not, you know, really gelling. Because chances are, a lot of times we assume our partner just knows how we're feeling, what we're thinking, what we want, what we need, when most of the time, we don't even know. So how the hell is someone else going to (laughs) know? And we just kind of like sideswipe all these different conversations that we're supposed to have. Conversations as simple as how do you define honesty? How do you yes. define love? How do you define respect? What does that look like for you? Because people are raised differently. We all have this certain um, unique user manual of how we operate, and yet we just assume that everyone operates the same way we do, whereas for me, you know, I am a words of affirmation type of girl. That's my love language, so I'm going to write you cute shit, and I'm going <laughs> to do all these things, but... That's only serving me. That's not serving you because I'm not even asking you how you accept love and how you show love. If your love language is physical touch or acts of service and I'm not doing any of those things, but I still think I'm showing you love because I'm doing what I know is love or how I show it. So a lot of communication has to happen first and it's, you know, coming to terms with those conversations with yourself first and then bringing it to your partner and, Just creating a space where it feels safe and open and there's no judgment and you're just trying to learn each other and and get to know each other on a deeper, more intimate level so you can show up for your partner in the best way possible.
1: Oh, great advice. I'm a huge fan of communication. No one's psychic. You need to talk about what your needs are, what your wants are. What about people who are in, the, you know, they're still single right now? They're, you know, in their, they're, quote, hunting or looking for a relationship right now, um, but they feel like maybe, um, you know, they are looking for somebody to quote, complete them, right? Because they're not whole theoretically. Let's, I, you know how I feel about this based on the tone I just said, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I know you hear it all the time. I'm looking for someone to complete me. They complete me. So yeah, I, I, as of my final question to you, what do you think about that?
2: Mm. (laughs) Mm. Okay. Well, If you're looking for someone to complete you, then please go in front of the mirror and behold the person that will complete you because there is no one else on this planet that will be able to do that job for you. I think we've just, we've really bought into this fairy tale, uh, entertainment media style of romance and love and oh, we go 50-50 and he completes me, I'm the missing puzzle piece, blah, 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 all this Mm -hmm. stuff. When it's like, no, all of that is you. You complete all of that. You complete yourself. And when you are purposely refusing to do that and searching externally for someone to fill that void, you're going to be disappointed every single time. Yes. That's another human being who you are now inflicting upon all these expectations that they're not even aware of. And yet you've placed already this huge weight on their shoulders when they don't even know what they just signed up for. You can't expect anyone to complete (laughs) you other than yourself. But I get it. I was that person for a long time. And I think that was one of the biggest slaps in the face is realizing that no one is going to be able to give me what I'm searching for other than me. And so it took time to, again, doing all that self-work and and self-reflection and journeying through who I am versus who I wanted to be and how to get there and all of that work. Then when I got to a place of fulfillment within myself, then I knew that whoever I choose to share my space with, I'm choosing one. It's a choice. I don't feel obligated and I'm not trying to just have someone fill space. This isn't a codependent relationship. I'm not looking at you in hopes that you're going to give me something I can't give myself because I already know I'm giving myself everything. So I'm choosing you because you add value to my life and you bring something to the table that is new and refreshing and revitalizing and that's such a gift and a blessing no one wants to be with someone because they feel like oh I'm filling space
0: yes I'm
2: I'm just there because they need someone there that feels super shitty so no one's going to complete you but you boo boo that is the hard (laughs) fact
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you for that. And I know you have so many more amazing words of affirmation and things that, you know, can really uh, get people to become more in touch with who they are and how they can, you know, quote, complete themselves. And, you know, and by extension, end up in more healthy relationships and healthier relationships that work for them, that are not codependent, that are their um in their lives because they are adding something and bringing a new dynamic. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how we can get your book. How people can reach out to you on social media. Let's no, of let's, let's pimp you out over here.
0: Yeah, let's <laughs> let's.
1: let's plug all the
2: things. All the um, things. Okay, so the book "Let That Shit Go" is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. So just search "Let That Shit Go" Bruna Nessa, if You should be able to find it. It's a yellow cover, um, and then. Social media. So I'm on Twitter at Bruna Nessif, B R U N A N E S S I F. Instagram at Bruna with five A's, like my report card. <laughs> and on uh, the Problem with Dating Instagram page at Prob with Dating. And then, of course, there's the Problem with Dating.com, which is going through a huge redesign right now, too. So mm. what you see may not be what you see in a couple weeks, but I'm really excited about it. We're going to add a lot more features um, and just kind of resources and tools because I really want it to be an interactive community. And I, I love, you know, the engagement on the Instagram page and and just feeling like you're not alone in what you're going through. And there are other people who can resonate with the pain that you feel and the heartbreak that you feel. And so I really want to leverage that so people can stop feeling like the pain they feel is so solitary and alone.
1: Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for the great work you're doing, the energy that you're giving back to the world and for being on my show today. Thank you so much. Of course, thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening today. You can tune in on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sexy Lifestyle Network for my next show. Stay up to date with my podcast. You can also download and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. And don't forget, you can learn more about sex, health, and relationships as you seek yourself, discover together, and create moments at scc.com. Thank you for joining me, Lexi Silver. Until next time, stay lexual, people.
0: Bye. appreciate you joining us on Seek, Discover, Create, presented by STC.com. Please join your host, Lexi Silver, on another erotic journey next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Until then, may you enjoy exploring your sexuality.